It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on Salem Radio Boston. My name's John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. And um, maybe you didn't get the Hallmark card this week, but it is National Drive Electric to Work Week. You didn't see that? You didn't get that card? No? No? But that's what it is. It's National Drive Electric to Work Week. Well, it's not this week, actually, but it's coming up soon. And with us on the phone is... Uh, Kevin Tabak, he is the. Uh, I don't know. You have Kevin. You have a. You have an interesting title for this. What's your title? Well, they call me the city captain for the event that's happening in Brookline uh, for National Drive Electric Week 2016. Do you get a hat? Do you get like a captain's hat? Yeah, I get a hat and a little T-shirt. There you, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> well, tell us, tell us what this is all about. There's a, and this is going to be uh, sort of taking place at uh, besides the entire week. There's sort of a culmination of this at Lars Anderson, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, National Drive Electric Week started in 2011, um, and this year there are over 200 events around the country, and now it's actually expanded uh, around the globe. Um, to promote the benefits and um, uh, spread information about uh, driving electric vehicles. And uh, do you have any feel for how many electric vehicles there are in Massachusetts? Um, I don't know the Massachusetts number itself, but uh, the latest report that I saw was that there were 500,000 electric vehicles that have been sold in the country. Uh, As you would expect, a lot of those uh, are in California. But Massachusetts is in the, I would say, top five uh, states for uh, electric vehicle sales. And I I know that because they sort of stand out from the crowd a little bit, uh, there's a lot of Teslas around here. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tesla has had a presence in the Boston area uh, for about three and a half years, uh, maybe even four years if you include the uh, sales location that uh, that opened up first in, in Natick. But, uh, yeah, they have been selling uh, vehicles in Massachusetts for quite a while. And the whole purpose of this is to just try to bring electric vehicle awareness to the public, right? Exactly. And unlike um, sort of asking somebody to learn about electric vehicles just by going into a a car dealer's showroom, this is the opportunity to bring together existing owners of vehicles who have been driving them in a lot of cases now for several years and uh, people who are interested in um, understanding some of the the myths and realities of uh, what it takes to own an electric vehicle can talk to somebody who's done it and uh, and share that enthusiasm. Now, do we call plug-in hybrids electric vehicles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are different different flavors of uh, of electrification, I guess you could say, of vehicles. Um, the first one started out as mild hybrids. Uh, where you wouldn't actually plug into a wall, but the car would have a small battery and it would recover energy through uh, regenerative braking. 
um, the purest form of driving electric. There would be a car that has no gas engine at all and relies only on a battery and a wall plug to uh, to charge. And for the longest time, and I was somebody that at one point, probably close to 10 or more years ago, I had an electric car and it was, um, it bordered on horrible. It was a, it was a Renault Le Car that was converted by a company out in Acton. The, I think it was a U.S. electric car company. It had 16 6 volt golf cart batteries, one 12 volt battery. And it would do 60 miles an hour. It would probably go 40 miles or 50 miles between charges. But it was not a great car. And the problem is it seemed like from, you know, you know, pick a, pick an old car, a Baker electric to my car, they didn't really change. But in the last five years, there's been remarkable advances in electric car performance. Absolutely. Uh, well, you were certainly on the bleeding edge with, with that car. And uh, as you said, uh, lead-acid batteries were the, uh, the main way to store the energy in an electric car. And they were all done um, either on a project, uh, you know, conversion basis, not in a, in a car production factory, um, or they were done in, you know, somebody's uh, garage. And now uh, the biggest change in what's happened is the uh, cost of lithium batteries, which is what we have in our computers and our phones, has dropped dramatically in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, um, and especially in the last several years, so that the economics of building a car in a factory uh, have changed dramatically. Yeah, and... and uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that, um, you know, when, when Tesla, which is the name everybody knows, uh, started with their first product, which was a two-seater uh, Roadster car um, that was built with lithium batteries and a very high-performance uh, drive, um, uh, drive unit, they basically proved to the world that, uh, that you could have a, a good quality car that performed well and was really fun to drive. Hmm. That certainly is the case. Yeah, my uh, my uh, electric Leopard was not necessarily fun to drive, but it was. I I, I probably had it for three years, and I, and I did actually drive it a fair amount. But it really was. It was as close to being, um, even though it was, uh, I guess, purpose built with its own vehicle identification number. It was as close to being uh, kind of a backyard conversion as you could you could get. But on the other hand, you know the those cars went to nickel cadmium batteries people ran the batteries in series all of a sudden it went from a 48 volt pack to a 96 and they all of a sudden they had really good performance and they actually worked out they worked out really well so you know it, it, again it was just that step and now we have just about every vehicle manufacturer has seems like they have some kind of an electric car whether it's an electric golf from Volkswagen or one of my favorite electric cars that I've driven in the last couple of years was the Kia Soul electric which went about 110 miles between charges. It had a level 3 plug port on it, so if you found a level 3 charger, you could charge up uh, in about 20 minutes, uh, about 70% battery use, and on and on a level 2 charger, what we see mostly, uh, you could do a pretty good charge in 4 or 5 hours. And very, very capable car with uh, great performance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the number of models that are available on the market today is uh, actually staggering compared to just a couple of years ago. And um, and I think all the major manufacturers have recognized that this is the direction that the uh, the car industry needs to be going at some point.
And and you're absolutely right when you talked about some of the performance cars. I think uh, one car I had the opportunity to drive for a few days, it was uh, a hybrid electric, but a supercar was a BMW i8, which, uh, you know, you look at you look at a car like that, and you, it's competitive with some of the, um, style-wise, competitive with any supercar, performance-wise, pretty good, and f- for some people, they consider it a real bargain because it's under one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. And then you have the the uh, what the i three, which uh, I see quite a few of around. Yeah, um, and as you said, the the electric only range um, is actually all over the map. Uh, a lot of those hybrids that do have the gas engine as as the backup for your longer trips. Um, you know, they start out in the 15 to 20 miles of electric-only driving, and then that gas engine can kick in so that you can go, you know, on a longer trip and mm. um, get to where you need to be. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, there's some pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing things. And you look at you look at a car like a um, you look at a car like a uh, uh, Chevy Volt, which is sort of in the same kind of I, I think Chevrolet calls that what an extended range electric. Uh, but that's a car that has really good, really good range, really good battery life, and for the average person that probably only drives six or seven miles a day, they may never put gas in that car. Yeah, exactly. And and I remember when the the Volt first came out. I mean, Chevy was uh, very firm on uh, the studies that they did about the average commutes that that people have, and I think twenty miles a day was kind of the average that they came up with. And so the first cars had a uh, forty-mile um, electric-only range, and now they're up to into the fifties. Um, and having that gas extender just gives you that that peace of mind if you need to go somewhere else besides your your normal commute. Uh, a number that you probably don't care about, but the average commuter commutes seventeen thousand minutes a year. Right. Well, you could do it <laughs> quietly and. Uh, Without polluting the environment, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, a, a friend of mine, I think, is on his um, third Prius. I think he has three in his family right now. The last one being a plug-in, plug-in Prius. And I said to him, "Look at all, you know, I didn't know you were that green." And he says, "It's all about the green in my pocket." <laughs> and there's that too, you know. You know, right now we're, you know, we're seeing gasoline at, you know, two dollars to two twenty-five a gallon. But on the other hand, it was not that long ago we were we were tipping into four dollars a gallon for gas. And you look at something like a Prius that gets fifty miles per gallon, and the average car gets twenty. All of a sudden, now that four dollar gas translates into something like two dollars a gallon, and seems like a bargain. Yeah, it definitely uh, protects the the end user from the fluctuations in gas prices because we don't know what the future will bring. Um, but even even at two dollars a gallon, I mean the the prices of uh, of a lot of these cars now are well under thirty thousand, thirty five thousand dollars once you include uh, federal tax uh, credits. Um, so the 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 numbers start to to make a lot more sense than they ever did. Yeah. Well, let's talk about let's talk about what's going on this week and and how it's going to end up at Lars Anderson. Um, well, what's happening is next Saturday, September 17th, uh, at 9 a.m. until 12 p.m., the Lars Anderson Auto Museum in, in Brookline is hosting our event, uh, which is part of the National Drive Electric Week, like I said. Um, and right now we're expecting probably about 50 different, 50 vehicles in total, um, with probably 20 to 25 different models. Um, to be able to look at side by side, 
and these are being brought by owners who can tell you what the various features are and why they decided to go with the uh, the model that they chose. And it allows uh, somebody who either is already driving an electric car and thinking about their next one or somebody who's never even seen an electric car to, to go to one place and, and just see a great variety of, uh, of options out there. No, this, this makes for anybody who's even got an inkling of an interest that maybe someday they want to have an electric car. Uh, I've always said to people, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, I'm thinking about buying an antique car. I want to go out and buy a, you know, 68 Camaro. And I always tell people, go to a car show, go find people that have restored them, go find people that have chased them down, and you'll learn about the mistakes, you'll learn about the successes. And this is the same thing. If you're thinking about an electric car or you just have a, a curiosity about them, go talk to the people that own them and drive them and find out whether one can fit your lifestyle. Yes, uh, definitely people who, who are curious are going to benefit a lot. But um, you know what? Even if you have been dead set against the idea of electric vehicles and um, you know, you've know you got gasoline running through your veins, uh, this is a great way to maybe have a different perspective and, and see what's out there. Well, I was talking to some folks from Michelin this week, and we we brought up the subject about uh, you know uh, electric cars and racing, and that's a whole that's a whole another sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, all the uh, uh, I mean, the Formula E is is a, a pretty recent um, innovation, and uh, and a lot of the supercar uh, makers have decided that electrifying and making a hybrid vehicle uh, is the way to get the best performance on the track as well. Um, it's funny you mention that because uh, the uh, MIT um, and also Tufts locally uh, both have uh, race teams where they are racing a, a formula-style car, um, and we're expecting MIT and, and hopefully Tufts as well to bring their vehicles as well, so you get to see some, uh, some of the technology that is going on the track. Bunch of wicked smart people, as we would say, right? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> So if people want more information, uh, driveelectricweek.org, right? Right. Driveelectricweek.org gives you the list of the of all the events around the country. So if you're not local, you can uh, certainly find one in your area. Um, the one in Brookline is also listed there. And if you wanted a shortcut, uh, you could either go to bostonevday.org, uh, or you can look at the Lars Anderson Auto Museum website and... Uh, check us out you can register before you get there but it's not required and it's free for everybody and check out the exhibit at the lars anderson museum uh, uh sheldon and the staff over there they they always put together a great exhibit it's a great place and every time i go to lars anderson i when i walk through that building and go this was a place they kept horses yeah it's it's beautiful inside and it's just an amazing building and for people that haven't been there in a long time it's it's uh or if they've been there last week it's it's worth going every every single time i go it's just a it's a great place and great lawn events and uh great things going on for the rest of the summer so kevin i want to thank you for taking some time out of your saturday morning and and talking about this uh this event and the week because i think it's just it's a besides being a lot of fun it's a lot of education for people and it kind of takes away that old stereotype of my electric leopard and really shows Shows that these cars are are really mainstream cars now. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, take care, Kevin. Bye bye. That's Kevin Tabak. He is the uh, the uh, EV City Captain. Got a hat. Probably got a badge. Gets everything. No, no. It's this is a great event, and I I have sort of this soft spot in my heart for electric vehicles. I I think they're I think they're fun. They have great performance. Um, 
you know, whether you can afford a Tesla, which is a phenomenal car. I think Tesla just broke the world's record now as the fastest zero to 60 sedan available on the market right now. So it's just uh, they came up with a uh, I think it's the uh, the 100 series battery pack in there now. So just fantastic stuff. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL or AM 1260 WBIX. This is Salem Radio Boston. Dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 800- 280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. Roxbury Latin School, Belmont Hills School, Dexter Southfield, Boston Latin School. Behind me is a partial list of top quality schools in our area, and all of these schools, all of them, are made even better by graduates of South Boston Catholic Academy. South Boston Catholic Academy is a special place where a faith-based education thrives, where vibrant learning and academic excellence are the norm. High student expectations, enviable teacher qualifications, strong 21st century technology, and Boston is our extended classroom. At South Boston Catholic Academy, our Catholic faith is a key component of our understanding of optimal child development. Our emphasis is on creating moral citizens, building community, embracing the idea of service to what others, and if you're Irish and really hungry, or just really hungry, let me point you toward McKay's Restaurant in South Quincy. McKay's serves great breakfast, lunches, and Thursday and Friday dinners. The staff at McKay's is amazing, so friendly and so accommodating. And the food at McKay's is simple and straightforward and mouth-watering. And with a distinct Irish flavor, you might say. Grilled soda bread, grilled brown bread, homemade corned beef hash, a traditional Irish breakfast including blood pudding, Irish-style baked beans, delicious Irish oatmeal served with brown sugar and blueberries. The menu also includes McKay's ham and eggs, Belgian waffles, waffles with strawberries, pancakes, eggs benedict, omelets, and breakfast sandwiches, all reasonably priced. And McKay's also offers scrumptious lunch and dinner choices, including a variety of comfort foods and sandwiches. So bring your Irish appetite to McKay's Restaurant, 144 Franklin Street, South Quincy, 617-773-0099. Hi, this is Pat Ryan, and I just want to let you know about a one-day sale Salem Media is having coming up on Wednesday, September 14th at 9 a.m. with rates that will only be available on this one day. If you have an interest in reaching our very responsive family of listeners, call or email me, Pat Ryan, 617-691-2521, or click on the one-day sale banner on wezeradio.com, wrolradio.com, or radiolewsboston.com. W-R-O-L Boston. 
You're listening to The Car Doctor. Back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or maybe Sunday night, AM 1260 WBIX, one or the other. Remember, you can catch uh, sort of shortened up versions of previous programs on AM 1260 WBIX, Sunday night at 9 o'clock. Let's talk to our buddy Rick, see what he's doing this week, now that he's all retired and has all this free time. Yeah, well, right now I'm sitting on my back porch. I just finished my grits, and I'm... Uh drinking some coffee, getting ready to do some yard work, uh, and I got what I think would be a good follow-up question to your your previous guest. Okay. Um, what concerns in that if you're going out and buying a used hybrid or a used electric car as far as the batteries you need to be aware of? Fantastic question, because that is... Uh, it's, sort of, it's sort of interesting. I was talking to somebody who was had a it might have been a Prius hybrid, but I think it had 100,000 miles on it. So they went to go trade it in, and when they went to go trade it in, they, the dealer said to them, oh, geez, you know, this thing's uh, this thing's five years old, and it's got 100,000 miles on it. It's just about worn out. We can't give you anything because it's going to need a battery. The same car, when it's for sale on the lot, it only has 100,000 miles on it, and it's only five years old, and it's got plenty of life left in it. So which which answer do you believe? You know, there there's the question. My only real experience on how long a hybrid battery lasts comes from Boston cab drivers because they have to a certain percentage of the fleet has to be hybrids. And the between the Toyota Camry hybrid and the and the uh, Ford Fusion hybrid, they're telling me they get about 350,000 miles out of a battery pack. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and those are cars. Those are cars that are being run essentially twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So I think for the average person going, you know, two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand miles, and because of warranty, the battery has to be either be warranty for eight or ten years. So uh, warranty wise, uh, you know, there's not much to worry about. Now, if you were going to go out and buy a an eleven year old Prius, chances are the battery might not be in terrific shape. But considering the battery in a hybrid does a little work and not all the work it's not quite as much of an issue as say a battery in a pure electric if you went out and bought a uh, Nissan Leaf or a Mitsubishi or something like that that was four or five years old you, you might you might say well this is going to be a five-year-old battery um, that has five years worth of life left in it and that's probably a good number probably 10 years is a good number and hopefully in five if you were buying a five-year-old car hopefully in five more years those battery packs are going to come down in price where it's like i don't replacing something expensive in your car like putting a transmission in your car you know it'd be probably that kind of price there are there's a there's a, a guy and it's a little, almost like a little cottage industry out in new york where he buys old 
battery packs from Priuses and Honda Civics and things like that, and he disassembles them all, takes out the bad cells, puts in new cells, puts them all back together, and uh, I know I looked up a price for a Prius battery from this guy, so a remanufactured battery. I want to say it was $800 shipped to your door, and it takes, I think it takes an hour or so to replace it, and then it also comes with instructions how to send the old one back. So you know, eight or eight or nine hundred dollars, thousand dollars, something like that. You can you can get a battery uh, rebuilt battery pack and probably get another five or six years out of the car. Well, actually, you know, uh, maybe it'd be a good idea just for AAA just to do a study on you know uh, battery life and you know different situations because um, for you know a cab driver is you know you know driving a hybrid you know you know almost as you say twenty four seven compared to the uh, regular, you know, person, you know, you know, driving at a half hour, an hour to work, sitting for, you know, eight hours, mm. nine hours, and driving back home and running, you know, a couple times a year, you know, making, you know, 500 or 1,000 mile trips and stuff like that. Um, that might be interesting just to find out as far as the battery life and stuff like that. So inform the people. Well, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I'm going to a meeting in a couple of weeks, and it's to discuss some new engineering products with the engineering team at AAA. So, yeah. this this may actually come up for a topic. Yeah, and um, just just as a comment, um, my wife took off a few minutes ago. Was that her? Was that her? It took off like a hundred miles an hour. I just heard. And I, I walked over, took a look, and um, it was obviously somebody either. Uh, stopped for a light or was slowing down and the guy behind him wasn't paying attention and rear-ended him. Oh! Oh! And, yeah, and it was a, a transit police officer that rear-ended the pickup. Oh! Oh! Yeah. And and we know whose fault it is in a rear-end collision, right? Always the following oh. car. Always yeah. the following car. And, um, yesterday I was taking my grandson to school and I was driving down what, what amounted, amounted to be a winding tree-lined tree country road and I had two cars within a mile so close behind me that I could barely see their headlights and then they crossed the double yellow line in a curve to pass me. But they didn't like I was doing the speed limit. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. I, I have, I, I, you know, people write to me all the time about this sort of stuff and I don't have any answer. I mean, it, it's, no. it's, it's, it, it truly is in some cases kind of just getting out of control that, you know, the way, you know, we used to be, the United States was the safest country to drive in, uh, for a long, long, long time. And that changed about four years ago. And we're, we're down the, we're down in the middle of the list these days. Yeah. And uh, I totally understand why. <laughs> <laughs> so does my wife, apparently. So, hey, Rick, always great to hear from you. Have a good one, John. All right, Bye. you too. Bye bye now. Well, I I got to talk tires with a bunch of people this week, but last week I also got to talk tires with our f friends from Bridgestone, and I planned to, it was a it was a, a little uh, pre recorded thing that I was going to do, and I was going to do it last week uh, on the program, but we know that didn't go that well because you know I was. Uh, I was on, well, not on vacation. It was just a long weekend. And, uh, of course, the equipment didn't work the way it was supposed to. But I do have this interview, and it's really about the necessity of winter tires. And I'd really like to um, play this if you're ready. Let's see if everybody's ready. 
With us on the phone is Chris Welty. He's an educational specialist for Bridgestone America's tire operation. And uh, Chris, one of the reasons I wanted to get a hold of you, recently I got an email from somebody who was saying, who, or their question was, the Toyota Prius. I've heard it's not very good in the winter. And my comment was, the car does a really good job in the winter, providing you use dedicated winter tires. How important are winter tires? In the winter, when it's snowing and it's cold and there's ice on the ground, they are the number one most important thing in your car to get you from point A to point B. Yeah, I always like to say the the only part of your car that really touches the ground is the tires, right? You are 100% correct. If it's, that's what makes the difference. It doesn't matter front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, uh, hybrid gasoline sports car doesn't matter everything that touches the road is the tire and uh and dedicated winter tires um they can really make a big difference in how well the car not just takes off away from away from a stop but also how well it stops right how much how much better can winter tires do than conventional tires when it comes to stopping well, in some of our testing, uh, one of our new tires, the Blizzak WS80, stops uh, 33% faster on ice when compared to an all-season tire. So 33% is a huge number. You, you think 33, but if it takes 150 feet for your car to stop, 33% of that's about 50 feet. So that's a long, a great distance longer to stop with a conventional tire. And when it comes down to a crash... Uh, really, all we care about is that last inch, right? So, so if, as long as we don't run into something, we're happy, right? You sell yeah. your soul for an inch if that's what it takes. That's that's right. And we're but, talking fifty feet. If if you know, if you're talking one hundred and fifty feet, one third of that is fifty feet. So, yeah. if you you put that into perspective and and pace off fifty feet, if you're a golfer, that's like one side of the green to the other. Yeah, absolutely different. And you know, we talk about all season tires and. It seems to me, I've been around for a long time, but it seems to me all-season tires, which I used to think were really beneficial in the wintertime here in New England, are more of an all-weather tire, an all-season, or more of a three-season tire. How far off am I on that? I think you're really close. Um, you know, we talk about technology. Uh, I use the analogy of a teeter-totter. Uh, you know, with our Firestone brand, we race at the Indianapolis 500. Those tires have tremendous grip, but on the other end, they change them virtually every gas that fill up. So that's one end of the extreme. If you get another tire that's going to last like a locomotive, it's solid steel, it may not have the grip you're looking for. All tires fit in the middle, but technology, I like to say, is bending that teeter-totter a little bit. It's improving all aspects, but still... We like dedicated winter tires. I'm a big fan of a dedicated summer tire. I live in Florida, so my cars have summer tires on them year-round, but I don't have to deal with ice and snow or extreme cold temperatures. But, yeah, and the extreme cold temperatures make a difference. I remember driving a performance car a couple of years ago on a day that it was about 15 degrees out. Um, <laughs> I, I, I turned the car around and drove home because it yeah. was just horrible in, on the 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 cold weather just really affected that tire compound. Well, I like to compare those to, you know, some of your listeners may have ridden uh, big wheels when they were a kid, and I just remember those big wheels spinning and sliding down the driveway 
the tires on those weren't really tires. They were plastic. So that's what happens to uh, uh, rubber as it gets extreme cold. It turns to plastic. It has a, you know, a glass transition temperature, meaning it, it's no longer flexible. It's solid, stiff, and it must be flexible to grip uh, in all temperatures. And that's mm. one of the big advantages of a winter tire. And I, we use the term winter tire, not snow tire anymore, because it's for the winter season. You may not have a flake of snow all year but if it's below 40 degrees if it's in the 30s every morning when you wake up and it doesn't warm up past 40 a winter tire is still your friend it can be flexible and decrease the stopping distance even in cold temperatures and that's the important part. It's it again. It's that traction that's required to get you going, but also that helps you stop and allow the car to handle properly. Going back to all season tires, I remember talking to uh, not you, but the you of twenty five years ago, and they said to me, "Well, you know, a good all season tire gives you about seventy percent of the traction of a snow tire in." four to six inches of snow and really that's very optimistic these days isn't it well if you look at today's traffic many more cars on the road than there used to be uh the vehicles are much more capable they have more horsepower they have huge ceramic brakes and they're still counting on the grip of that tire in all conditions mm. so you know an all-season tire is great and it's a good product and it works for most people uh, they last long, they give a smooth ride, they're quiet, they're good in the in the wet and light snow, but if you're talking 33%, if you look up from your smartphone, and, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't do that, right? Yeah, we right. look up from the radio and we see the traffic stop, it, 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 there's no question how much those, those tires are going to benefit you. Right. That, that is so true. And the other thing is, um, while we're talking about tires and, and a little bit about tire quality and maintenance, those, um, uh, whether they're all-season tires or even a dedicated winter tire, if they're getting down to the last couple of 30 seconds of tread, the same thing's going to happen. You're not going to get that good stopping distance anymore either, are you? Sure. Uh, the reason for grooves or the depth of tread that you can actually see is to get rid of water, but, you know, in the summer. Mm -hmm and to give you a way to pack snow into the tread. If, if we've all made a snowball, right, we know mm -hmm. packing snow sticks to snow. So in a winter tire, in our WS80 or our DMV2, which is for light trucks and mm -hmm. TUVs, the tread is designed to actually accept and pack snow in so that as that tire rolls on the snow, it can give you grip snow on snow. And that's, that's so if you don't have the depth of tread, you have no ability to pack the snow in. Mm. So, uh, very, you know, very good advice. So I guess um, kind of the bottom line is here, even though today's a, a beautiful day, although it looks like we have a hurricane coming in a couple of days, uh, but even though it's a, even though it's a beautiful day, um, winter, uh, yeah, I can't predict much of the future, but I can predict we will have winter, it will get cold, and it will probably snow here in New England. What do motorists really need to think about as far as uh, tires and getting their, getting their, that part of their car ready for winter time? Uh, you just be prepared. Make sure you have good windshield wipers. Make sure your fluids are checked. Make sure everything's gone in mechanically. Make sure your tires have the correct air pressure, which is listed on the side of the car. Uh, and, and just make sure that you have everything 
prepared. There are safety kits that you can put in the trunk to be prepared. But as far as tires, have a good quality tire that's designed for the season that you're driving in. Uh, if you have winter tires, that will allow you to have a summer tire in the summer. Depends on how you drive. If you really enjoy driving your car, that gives you more options. And you're going to have the best tire every day of the year. Sounds like it makes an awful lot of sense. If people want to find more information out about this, uh, where's a good website to send people? Oh, BridgestoneTire.com. That gives you all the information that you should be looking for. Chris, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your Saturday morning to join us up here in Boston. My pleasure, John. Have a great winter. All right. Thank you. the car buying experience would you like to save time money eliminate stress and positively know you got the best deal possible welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the car consultancy with over 20 years of car buying know-how iron and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish for more information go to the car consultancy.com or call 800-280-3517 that's 800 800- Two eight zero three five one seven. Sullivan Tire and Auto Service is proud to be New England's tire headquarters. And as the seasons change, now's the perfect time to stop in for tremendous tire deals. Now through October 3rd, save big on all Goodyear and Kelly tires in stock. Plus, save up to an additional $120 with mail-in rebate. And at Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, we'll keep your vehicle running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will do it all. Engine diagnostics, transmissions, brakes, batteries, steering and suspension, exhaust systems, wiper blades, winterizing, and much more. Now through October 3rd, your chance to save big on all Goodyear and Kelly tires. Just in time for the upcoming fall season. For details, see SullivanTire.com. Hi, this is Paul Sullivan of Sullivan Tire. You won't find a better place to buy tires in New England, and we will not be beat on price. Thank you. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Sullivan Tire. This is a special announcement to all U.S. taxpayers who owe back taxes to the IRS. In light of the financial pressure many are facing in today's economy, the IRS has established programs making it easier to settle back taxes and ending all collection efforts against you. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your back taxes reduced by up to 90%. To reduce your financial burden during the decline in the U.S. economy, call the Victory Tax Solutions hotline at 800-352-4757. Wage guard 
garnishments, liens, levies, audits, payroll taxes, penalties, and fees can now be stopped through this special program. If you have unfiled tax returns or owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, you can now settle your tax problem and in some cases reduce your back taxes by up to 90%. Call the Victory Tax Solutions hotline now to see if you qualify at 800-352-4757. 800-352-4757. That's 800-352-4757. I believe that God created music to connect our soul with heaven. Critics are calling Hillsong Let Hope Rise a life-changing experience. An incredible film. This is not about us. It's ultimately about God. You take him out of the equation. You got nothing. On September 16th. Does everything make sense? Absolutely not. But more stuff doesn't make sense without him. Prepare to have your heart lifted. Hillsong Let Hope Rise. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested in theater September 16th. W-R-O-L Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. to the Car Doctor program. Uh, Kevin Tabeck actually sent me an email during the week, and he said, uh, um, looking forward to talking with you, and he said, oh, thanks for mentioning the event. This was last week, and he said, uh, by the way, this Saturday coming up today is Porsche Day at Lars Anderson. Remember Rosemary who called in who was looking for a, a used uh, Porsche 944 Turbo? Well, maybe she can find one there. So she needs to get over to Lars Anderson today and uh, check out Porsche Day. And maybe she can find somebody she can she can get her get her Porsche the way she wanted. This is a this is a plug for AAA. I don't usually do that, but we are looking for tow truck drivers or people who want to become tow truck drivers, light service drivers, battery truck drivers, anything like that. Uh, we have a bunch of openings right now in a, a lot of different locations. You go to AAA.com. I think it's backslash jobs or something like that. But uh, check it out. Um, I was kind of looking through the progression to get to a lead roadside technician. And you start off as a light service technician. Then you get trained as a battery technician or a flatbed driver or a tow tech. Then you become certified to train, which means you can teach people, you teach your coworkers how to do better. And uh, to do that, you have to get an 85% higher member satisfaction score, no performance issues. Uh, you do the on-the-go training with the electrical class. Uh, you get a good review, and you have to have 350 road hours in, so you need to you know be experienced. Then you go to roadside tech uh, certified to train for either battery, flatbed, or towing. Then after you complete that, then we have a kind of an in-house uh, training program. They call it uh, road service track program and leadership program. So we actually send you to, like, school at the same time, and you get paid for that. So it's not like you're not getting paid to go take these classroom courses and then after a couple of years experience you end up uh, as a lead roadside technician you're about the same pay grade I am it seems like <laughs> but anyway if you're interested in that you know somebody's interested in that they're interested in a job where you get benefits and for the roadside guys you know uh, uniform allowances and all that sort of stuff um, 
The equipment gets replaced on a very regular basis. Uh, we service the equipment ourselves in uh, whether it's in Avon or Providence or soon to be East Providence. So if you live in that area, you know somebody who lives in that area and they're looking for a job. Uh, so a job where the paychecks don't bounce, which is, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, hey, I can get a job making three dollars more an hour at uh, the guy around the corner and it's like yeah that's good I, I said do, you, do they take out taxes um, uh, I don't know they have benefits well no mm, there's a difference well it's time for trivia and this is a tough trivia question we've had easy trivia questions this is a tough trivia question and this comes from Dominic from Subaru, and it has nothing to do with Subaru, but he happened to take a picture of something. So it comes from Dominic from Subaru, came up with the answer to this. And if you're friends with me on Facebook, so if you go to Facebook and John F. Paul was taken, so it's Mr. John F. Paul on Facebook, or Twitter is at John F. Paul. Instagram is somewhere, I don't know, something. Um, but the question, I posted it on I posted it on uh, Facebook and Twitter already. So the question is, what was the first car to have both all-wheel drive and anti-lock brakes? So what was the first car to have all-wheel drive and anti-lock brakes? And like I said, this is going to be a tough question. You're going to have to let the interweb and Google help you, maybe. Unless you're just really smart. Or you happen to have owned one of these cars in 1966 was the year, by the way. So if you happen to know, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, and you will win a prize of some sort. I don't know what it is. It's fabulous, though. Could be a fabulous collection of AAA stuff. Water bottles, keychains, rulers, who knows what it is. Who, uh, you never know. It's going to be something. The... And one of these days, we're going to get a call from someplace outside of the United States. My podcast page is um, johnfpaul.podomatic.com, and you can find podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn and Blueberry. Yeah, it's B-L-U-B-U-R-Y, Blueberry. Um, a variety of different things. If you just Google John Paul Car Doctor, you'll come up with podcasts. And what's interesting about the podcast is that over the course of a year, 100,000 podcasts get downloaded. Not streamed, but actually downloaded and put it, people put them on their computers and their tablets and their iPods and wherever people put podcasts. 70,000 of them are in the UK. So two-thirds of my podcast audience listens outside of the United States. Which is sort of weirdly interesting to me. And, and outside of the United States also is, um, we have a few listeners in Ireland. And I'm sure that's because of the Irish Hit Parade. Probably that comes up there. We have listeners in countries that I can't even pronounce the names. Uh, we have a few listeners in Germany. We have a few listeners in Australia every week. Because I can look at the geography, and there's a few listeners in Australia. So we have a few here and there all around the world, it seems like. Um, I was a little disappointed I didn't have any in Australia, so I went to an Australian Facebook page that was about cars, and I posted 
the link to the podcast page. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, Australian listeners. I was disappointed. Australia's a big car culture. I was I was disappointed there wasn't any. Well, I want to talk about the car that got me here today. If you're on hold, stay with, stay right there. We will be with you in a minute. If you have a guess on the very what's considered the first car with all-wheel drive and anti-lock brakes, give us a call at 617-770-3030, and we will put together a little kit of something for you. The car that got me here today was a 2016 Volkswagen Jetta, and it continues to be refined. There are some great engine choices, but one of my current favorites is the 1.8-liter turbo. It provides a responsive power and great fuel economy. It's also the car that's in my own, also the engine that's in my own car. It makes 170 horsepower, and during my road test, was delivering fuel economy in the mid to high 30s, so good fuel economy. Front seats are comfortable and supportive and offer a huge amount of legroom. If you're a tall person... This is a good car for you. For a small car, this is a good car for you. And they're pretty supportive. And the rear seat's actually roomier than most cars in this class. With the front seat just about all the way back, I can easily sit comfortably in the back seat. Uh, like all Volkswagen products, the interior fit and finish are far better than its price would indicate. The interior layout is nice. It's relatively simple with easy-to-operate controls. Our test car had a navigation system, which worked well, but it looks a little dated compared to some of the newer ones on the market. It looks like it's just been around for a couple of years. Um, but it works okay, and it uh, seems to seems to do its job all right, and it got me to wherever I needed to go, so I can't really complain about it. Um, on the road, the Jetta handled well. It was quiet. In fact, handling uh, was, uh, I would put it in like a competitive leader category. I think it does really well handling-wise. Uh, the car has electric power steering. It's certainly one of the better versions I've driven. It just feels good when you go to drive it. Safety is addressed with all kinds of airbags, collision warning. This is a pretty upscale model. It had blind spot detection, automatic braking, uh, collision warning. It lets you know when you're tailgating someone. A little icon comes up that says you're driving a little bit too close. Even the base model is still pretty well equipped. Um, our, like I said, our upscale model had luxury features like uh, leather interior, heated seats, dual zone climate control. Uh, I would call the Jetta, if I had to sum up the Jetta in one word, I would say this is a refined compact sedan that doesn't go for luxury car money. Um, it's pretty conservative. It rides well. It's fun to drive. It's economical. It's roomy. Uh, there are currently three engine choices, six trim level, levels, and of course no diesel, at least for a couple of years. Um about the only negative thing I can say, it's starting to look maybe a little bit dated. When I was, uh, when I had this car at work the other day, I was filming something for work, and Javier, our guy who does video work for us at work, has a 2012 Jetta, and you put the two side by side, they're pretty close to each other, and so I know that's only four years apart, but usually there's enough styling changes, and you look at them, you go, yeah, they're pretty close. A little bit of difference, a little sheet metal difference here and there, and this one, of course, has the 1.8 liter turbo. His had the 2.5 liter five-cylinder, much better engine. This little turbo is a much better engine, um, but at any point, this is a this is a car that just does just does an overall nice job. If you're looking for a four-door sedan that's going to be economical, rides nice, quiet, gets good gas mileage, this one pretty well done up. This is uh, probably in the low to mid-20s because it's so fancy with the power sunroof and all that sort of stuff. But if you're just looking for a four-door sedan that'll get you back and forth to work and do it cheap, you can probably buy one of these in the $20,000 range, I bet. 
So certainly worth looking at. If you're looking for a four-door sedan, Volkswagen Jetta, take a look. Let's see how we did with trivia. Where are we going first? We're going to Walter, I think. Walter? Yes. Um, yeah. Could it be the, uh, the Subaru? It could not be the Subaru. Uh, but, but, that was, but that was a good try, though. That was, a, that was an obvious try, but thanks for calling in. All right. Let's go over to uh, Drew on line three. Drew. Hi, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Is it the Jensen Interceptor? How did you know that? It's one of my favorite cars. It is the Jensen Interceptor. Yeah. It is. And it was a... That that was kind of a a, a weird mix of car because... what is it, Do you remember what it had for an engine? Yeah, either a Chrysler 383 or a 440. Yeah. Yeah, that was... And, uh, and although I have to say, I remember when... Uh, I worked at a tire store and... Um, this uh, this guy who uh, drove a transport truck who came in pretty regularly for tire service, and he, one of his customers, he went to the port to pick up Jensen's. And he liked the cars so much from moving them on and off the truck, he bought one. The right. problem is, after about three or four years, that 440 engine just came apart for some reason. I, I don't know what the real reason was, but that was such a dependable engine and a Chrysler, but it just wasn't all that dependable on the Jensen. I don't know if it was a heat issue or what the case was, but you, you see a lot of them, you saw a lot of them within 10 years of ownership, they had the second or third engine in them. So I know those cars had factory installed rust, too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like like any English car, you know, the, the rust worm, the rust worm came right from the factory, so. Yeah. Yeah. Before but, I go, I, I wanted to mention, I think someone had called last week looking for a Porsche 944 Turbo. Yep. There's actually a, a really good website. It's called bringatrailer.com. Oh, yeah. And they have one on there. I don't remember what year she was looking for, but this one was an 87 with like 80,000 original miles on it. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I think it was right, or, I think she might have been looking for an 88, but yeah, that Bring a Trailer, that Bring a Trailer website has has a lot of stuff on there, although I, w- I was talking to a uh, uh, neighbor uh, down the Cape the other day, and we were talking about there was a Myers-Manx dune buggy on there, and everybody said, hey, look, a Myers for sale, and I think it went, I think it went for $26,000 on Bring a Trailer, which is, uh, I guess, you know, tells you how much those those doom buggies are worth but it seemed like it was um a little overpriced in my book but yeah a lot of the cars that are on there they're like for auction yeah or you know they're just for sale by owner and a lot of them aren't cheap but i mean this one actually looked good in the pictures no no you know like it's it's a fun website to go it's you know it's it's the uh you know all of the stuff is the equivalent of you know 40 years ago with a sears catalog to me so yeah yeah hey stay right there we'll put something together for you and we'll send you out uh Stuff you probably don't want, but you're getting it anyway. Thanks, John. Have All a right. great weekend. All right, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617 uh, I got an email from a guy this week who runs a business called the Busted Knuckle Garage. And it's just uh, a, sh- it's a business where they sell, it says, an original place for car guy gifts. And he found the podcast of all things and he's like hey you know would you be interested in maybe promoting my business well i give you stuff to give away and i said maybe <laughs> but i was looking at some of the some of the stuff he has a um you know uh u.s roadmap metal garage sign like one of the ones that's made out of license plates has those he has the uh 
the busted knuckle round metal uh, motorcycle sign. He has bar stools. He has a car guy spark plug metal garage sign. Car guy motor medic sign. Um, so there's a metal sign that says busted knuckle garage expert at rounded bolts, minor injury, stripped threads, lost tools, um, rag fires, mechanical mayhem, and the occasional repair. But, you know, if you have a, and I hate the term, but a man cave sort of thing, and you want to have kind of a cool looking metal sign, you know, this might be this might be a good way to go. And it's bustedknucklegarage.com. And this is just some of the novelty signs. You know, um, Car Guy, how to assemble stuff. Car Guy, Twister University shows a picture of a wrench. Um, but just kind of a lot of fun stuff. And, of course, T-shirts and hats and other wearables. They have something that looks like a... Um, a little tiny toolbox that's probably six inches across, but it's actually like a desk organizer. So for your pens and pencils and that sort of stuff, floor mats. Um, and and actually, he actually has a tool, which I think is, um, he actually has a little, um, it looks like a, a finger from a glove. And you wear it on your finger and it actually has a magnet, magnet at the end of it. So if you're, you, the thing you just dropped is down in the corner, stuck between something, you put this little one finger glove on, Go down and you can pick it up because it's got a magnet stuck on the end of it. So, I mean, that's somebody that's somebody who has uh, who has lost a bunch of stuff and needed to find them again. But anyway, we're, we're I don't know what our deal will be with them, and uh, but yeah, but I just thought it was I I was pleased that he contacted me and and said, hey, I I've heard your program, so got to get him on, talk to him, kind of go from there. Let's talk to uh, John. Hello, John. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Good. Um, now, if I get into my car and I don't have my keys, I can't start the car. Would that be correct? Mostly, unless you unless you have unless you have ridiculous mental powers. No, you because know? no. On TV last week, this prisoner he escapes from his handcuffs, then he jumped into a truck and he stole the truck. How did he start the truck? Well, it's television. Um, well, you know, you can can you can you get in a car, rip the wires off the ignition switch, break the lock that locks the steering wheel, and then defeat the thing that holds the shifter in place. Yeah, you can do all those things. Well, how about now the cars with the push button? Do you, could you easily break into that? I just push the button and take off? No. No, because the key, those use something called a proximity key, which means the key has to be within about six feet of the car. So, but that being said, there are, there there was some cars being stolen. And what happened was the, the receiver that's in the car. So if you have one of these, like the car I'm driving today has a push button thing. And so you walk up to the car and you grab the door handle of the car and the and the car already knows you're that close and the door just opens right up and you get in and you push the button and the car starts up because the keys are in my pocket. But right. it uses a receiver that's built into the car to know the keys there. What some unscrupulous people have done is they built a device that they would put next to the car that would magnify sort of the receiver ability. So what it does is it's sort of like a repeater like for a radio. 
So what it does is it goes out and it takes that little, and I'm making up the number, but pretend pretend with me for think of it as a light bulb. You know, it takes that little one watt signal and turns it into a fifty thousand watt signal. And, right. the, and then what it can do is it can go, it can search a lot farther looking for the keys. So what they what they noticed was people who left cars, especially on city streets, parked on the street. And they had their keys just sitting on a hook in their kitchen table. Well, all of a sudden, somebody walks by with a backpack full of electronics. They stand in front of the car. They wiggle the door. If the door unlocks, they know they can get in the car and drive it away because it's amplified that signal. And it thinks the key is next door to it rather than 100 feet away on the kitchen table. I understand. Well, I think... The day will never come when I ask you a question where you don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, uh, but uh, you know, there, you know, my my wife asks me questions all the time that I don't have answers for. Mm-hmm. No, so, so far <laughs> you're batting a thousand. All right, thanks, John. Thank you. All right, bye. take care. Bye bye now. Our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven. 770-3030. We have phone lines open if you want to join us at 617-770-3030. Why don't we take another break? Pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. When we get back, we're going to talk about a new TV show that's coming up. Sullivan Tire and Auto Service is proud to be New England's tire headquarters. And as the seasons change, now's the perfect time to stop in for tremendous tire deals. Now through October 3rd, save big on all Goodyear and Kelly tires in stock. Plus, save up to an additional $120 with mail-in rebate. And at Sullivan Tire and Auto Service, we'll keep your vehicle running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC-certified technicians will do it all. Engine diagnostics, transmissions, brakes, batteries, steering and suspension, exhaust systems, wiper blades, winterizing, and much more. Now through October 3rd, your chance to save big on all Goodyear and Kelly tires. Just in time for the upcoming fall season. For details, see SullivanTire.com. Hi, this is Paul Sullivan of Sullivan Tire. You won't find a better place to buy tires in New England, and we will not be beat on price. Thank you. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Sullivan Tire. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 280 3517. 
That's 800-280-3517. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or maybe even AM 1260 WBIX. Uh, Jim from Peabody emailed me, and he read the Globe this morning, and he said uh, uh, one of the articles, um, somebody somebody was saying that they got a flat tire, and they wanted to know, is there an easier way to get the lug nuts off? Because most lug wrenches in cars are terrible these days. They're about a foot long, and they're not much good. And uh, I suggested going out and buying an inexpensive breaker bar, which is like, which is not a ratchet. It's just a big bar that you put a socket on the end of. And you can buy them pretty inexpensively at places like Harbor Freight or whatever, Sears. And, and then you get the socket to fit. And now all of a sudden you have an actual tool rather than the thing they give you with the car. And I also said uh, recently someone sent me a electric impact gun, a little 12-volt lithium-ion, like the electric cars. Um, little impact gun. I think it it's good for about two hundred and so foot pounds of torque uh, coming off, and not as much going on back on because it's more important to get stuff off than it is get it over tight and putting it back on. And it's a pretty good little unit. It stays pretty well charged. I've been kind of playing around with it a little bit, and it fits in a little box. It doesn't take up much room. You could throw it in your trunk and forget about it and charge it. Check the charge on it. It's got a little light on it, so if you were changing a tire at night, you can kind of see what you're doing. And that requires, in essence, no physical ability other than just get the tire off afterwards. So that's another way to be able to do that. In fact, the company whose name I can't pronounce because it doesn't make sense it's like M-Y-C-H-A-N-I-C. So instead of my mechanic, it's mechanic. I don't know, something like that. But um, we're going to have them on in a couple of weeks because they, they have a couple of interesting tools. They have a, a really good little uh, cordless drop light. Uh, they also have a, uh, another cordless uh, like trouble light to use. They have this 12-volt uh, lithium-ion impact gun. Uh, and they have a pair of jumper cables that uh, winds up in a little reel. And the jumper cables we're going to give away because they're brand new. They're in the box. I haven't played with them. And we're going to give those away. So we'll be giving those away at some point after we have the folks on from Machanic or Mychanic or whatever the name of the company is. Uh, if you would like to join us, 617 770 617-770-3030. Uh, the Esquire TV folks have a new program coming up. It's called uh, Wrench Against the Machine. It premieres uh, in November at 9 o'clock. Six-episode uh, six series showcases the toughest motorcycle build competition in the country with expert teams and new build challenges each week. 
So another reality show, but it says Ready, Set, Wrench. Esquire, Esquire Network kicks off new competition series, Wrench Against the Machine, with its uh, premiere on Tuesday, November 19th, so a couple months from now. In the most grueling, seemingly impossible build challenge in the motorcycle world, each hour-long episode will have two teams and three expert builders battling head-to-head with only three days and $3,000 to transform a basic stock motorcycle into something rowdy, riding, and works of art. Uh, some of the previous uh, bike builders in the country were putting their reputation on the line. Uh, but, it, you know, it's just another reality show, something else to watch. Um, there there used to be a TV show, and it, it was on a variety of stations, uh, Velocity. It's on Velocity now, but it was Two Guys Garage and with, with uh, Dave and Sam, uh, Dave Mamello and, I mean, Sam Mamello and Dave somebody or other, uh, both uh, originally New Englanders. Yeah. And uh, the show sort of went away, and it came back recently with Brian Lonis, an Abington resident, as one of the co-stars. And I, I don't know how often it's on because it was only on. I it was on one morning. I didn't get to see it, but I guess there. And it's Brian and a Votech teacher out of Florida. And uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, and Brian, all Brian's been doing lately, he's been uh, he's been at every drag race in the country for the last two months, traveling around the country. And uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to when he when he settles back down, we're going to have to have him back on the program. And he's he's uh, he's a track announcer, so I'm sure he's going to be home for New England Dragway's 50th anniversary or some anniversaries coming up in the next week or two. And he's probably going to be up there doing track announcing, but he's been doing a lot of that sort of stuff. And then out of Atlanta, Georgia, Urban Expositions, a, a clarion events company, uh, they have a partnership with the Historic Vehicle Association for their classic auto show. Uh, and it's going to be uh, uh, early next year at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And it says, through its members and partners, the Historic Vehicle Association promotes and protects the cultural and historic significance of automobiles and creates educational programs to expand awareness of how the automobile has impacted society um, they have some. They have some pretty good ones. And why I pulled this out was uh, there's a lot of cars that's going to be that are going to be here, uh, and some of the uh, featured guests will be Mike Brewer from the uh, what's that show? The uh, two English guys, Wheeler Dealers. Uh, Wayne Carini's supposed to be there. Chip Foose is supposed to be there. Uh, Dave Kindig from Kindig Designs. Uh, Mike Phillips, uh, but also they're going to have Old Red on display, which is a 1964 Myers Manx Dune buggy. So, uh, and a 1962 Jeep CJ6. He said these two vehicles, while historically significant on a broader national scale, have helped bring a special connection to California, according to Mike Gessler. Bruce Myers helped bring California beach culture to the masses with his ingenious dune buggy design uh, and sense of freedom and fun. So this, uh, so if you have find yourself in California after the first of the year, you should go check out this event. And then if you have a whole bunch of money, Barrett Jackson uh, in Las Vegas will be. Uh, this is going to be in October 13th to the 15th at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino, they are going to have the two first Firebirds ever made. There's a lot of these first Firebirds, though. 
67 Firebirds, it's VIN number one and VIN number two. It's supposed to be a convertible and a hardtop. Now, people who may have watched um, Gas Monkey Garage, they bought what was supposed to be two of the first Firebirds, car number one and number two as well. I don't know if these are those cars or not because they bought them. They did a they did a really good restoration, and then they resold them for a bunch of money. But I don't know. But it seems to me that I can't imagine the assembly line making a hard top and a convertible one and two right off the line. It seems like they'd make twenty of one and twenty of another or something. But they claim these are. So I don't know if these are these are real cars. Preview cars. I mean, they're using the word preview on some of the information, but we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, if you have a whole bunch of money, if you have a million dollars and you want to buy Firebirds number one and two or whatever it's going to go with, I mean, they are nice cars after all. Got a note from Molly Jacobson, and she said, Hi, John. It's hurricane season. Well, it was last week. And it actually is hurricane season right through, I think, the beginning of December. And many Americans are currently facing severe weather. And we didn't get that much. Um, But she came up with uh, some things to do if you're navigating difficult roadways. Flooded road, don't drive through it. Floods can happen everywhere, even places where you don't expect them to become flooded. If conditions are right, in recent months, Texas has been particularly hard hit with major flooding in both Dallas and Houston. Now West Virginia is seeing some terrible flooding. Whether it's heavy rain or an aftermath of a hurricane, no matter what city you live in, when flooding is dangerous in any location, be particularly deadly when it occurs on roadways. Drivers often underestimate the depth of water and how little it takes to completely sweep a vehicle away, even a large truck can get swept away um so here are six reasons not to do that there may not be a road flooded waters and from swollen rivers can have a very powerful current and can wash away entire swaths of the road there was something i read just the other day about a uh looked like a pothole but it was like eight feet deep or something so not a good thing to drive over. The damage can be hidden from view just under a few inches of water. It can mean the difference between making it to the other side and be stuck in flat, uh, fast-moving floodwaters with a car that won't work. What's more, it could mean your um, your life as a soft ground underwater could cause the car to begin sinking so you could sink away. It doesn't take much traction, um, or it doesn't take much for your tires to lose traction. Tires are designed to maintain maintain traction on rain-covered roadways as little as an inch can cause your tires to lose traction completely. This means tires could begin to spin and there's nothing you can do. It doesn't take much to damage your car. Even if the water is less than a foot deep, the potential for significant damage still exists. Even most passenger cars, six inches of water is enough to threaten your car's exhaust system and air intake. The exhaust system is not a big deal. The air intake is. Um, Funny thing about liquids, they don't compress. You can't compress a liquid. And an engine is nothing more than a pump. It sucks in air and pushes out air. Air is okay. Water is not. You suck in water. It tries to compress it. It's in the the combustion chamber. It tries to squish it, and it bends connecting rods. So you don't want to do that. Two feet can carry you away. Two feet may not seem like much. Uh, If it's not moving water, you might be able to make it through. But if it's high enough, it could float your car away. And danger often lies beside a flooded road. The moving water on the road might 
not be very deep. It might not be moving very fast, but think about where it's going for a moment. Remember, it doesn't take much for uh, moving water to get your car going somewhere you don't want it to be. Roads sometimes run behind creek stitches and even drainage gullies that can swallow your car completely. If you can't escape in time, you could find yourself trapped in a sinking car. Now, more than a few thousand dollars at stake, it might be you. As I was going through my uh, a drawer at work, I found I found uh, one of those um, things that breaks car windows. So maybe I maybe I ought to give uh, our trivia winner one of those too. Let's talk to Mike. Michael. Good morning, John. How, How are you? you? You're good, sir. Thank you very much for asking. Um, you mentioned uh, Harbor Freight and the uh, Barrett Jackson, and I thought I'd give you a call. It's kind of an ancillary car question. I was wondering, have you had any experience with? Uh, like a small electric air compressor that you might buy it at Harbor Freight. And the reason I'm asking is, you know, when you go to the car wash places, you'll see them take and uh, use compressed air and kind of blow off the dash yep. kind of thing. And um, I've seen, I was down at uh, Barrett-Jackson there at Mohegan Sun, and when they were detailing one of the cars there, they had a air compressor that they were, you know, blowing mm-hmm. the air out of the um, engine bay area and the water out of there after they cleaned it. And I've, but I've also seen Wayne Carini who advertises one of those compressors. But that looks like a little bit fancier model. I was wondering if you had any experience with something that you might get from Harbor Freight that would be a small electric um, air compressor that you could, you know, use to blow off the dash or out underneath the hood and kind of blow the dust off of that. Or are those something that really don't work and you need to get one that's a little more powerful, that kind of thing. Well, it, it's funny. It's it's it's. I guess it's funny that I mentioned like the the cheapest store in the world and the most expensive auction in the world in almost the same breath. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only the only problem with those are that I could see, and the compressors are fine. The, um, you know, some a lot of people kind of uh, make fun of Harbor Freight, Freight products as you know, oh, they're junkier, they're cheap, or whatever the case is. You know, some people say, oh, it's a single-use tool. But on the other hand, I like to say they work fine until they don't. You know, and sometimes they just quit working and sometimes they last forever. Um, the problem with a small air compressor is it's it's the volume of air. So if you have a, a, little, bl- a, a little air nozzle on the end of a, a, a hose, you, that compressor is only going to make so much air so fast. And th- with a portable compressor, it's only going to have so much storage. So if you're just you know, blowing off a little dust and you let the tank get full and it's, you know, you know, just a spray here and a spray there, it's fine. If you're trying to clean out all the water from all the nooks and crannies between the door, then it's probably not going to have the volume. And that's when something like the MetroVac uh, air blower thing probably works a little bit better. And those actually, the one that Wayne advertises, I think actually has a filter in it. So it's supposed to filter out any particles from the air so you're kind of blowing nicely filtered air um on a day where i'm particularly lazy and i wash my car and i don't want to dry it all off i go to my shed and take out my electric leaf blower (laughs) and do the same thing (laughs) i hadn't thought about that you know i have one of those um little portable Air compressors that you can fill up the air in your tires. Yeah. I know that's not that's not going to be enough. You're going to need something that can make, you know, make 
a hundred pounds of air in a you know a couple gallon tank sort of thing. And the difference between a good air compressor and a cheap one is how fast it replenishes the tank. But like I said, you can you know if you're just trying to blow some dust off out of vents inside the car and things like that, um, one of those would probably work fine. And then you know you always have it to air up your tires or you know you know run a little air tool. You know those compressors are generally meant for things like. Um, you know, nailers and staplers where you're using all the air in a very short just boom and then it gets to recharge again sort of thing. You know, if you went to use it on a um, uh, an impact wrench or an air chisel or an air ratchet, they just don't have the capacity, but just to blow off some dust. And like I said, I've, um, other than I, I, I raise the, the, um, the, I, I, I'm trying, I'm falling short of what the word is, the ear of uh, the, we hate leaf blower people. Um, I mentioned something in a column once about you can use a leaf blower to dry off your car, and the leaf the anti leaf blower coalition hated me afterwards. But um, but I figure an electric leaf blower doesn't pollute the air, and it's not really that noisy. And if you are just wanting to blow all the water off the car and you know all the nooks and crannies and under the wheel wells and all that, actually a leaf blower isn't a terrible thing to use. So okay, yeah, something I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I, I yeah. haven't. Corn, yeah. yeah, and right. like I said, I'm I'm lazy, so that's, yeah. that's okay. You know what it is? You just see them, you know, like that sunshine car wash in Brockton. They've they've got the the deal, and they go in and blow everything yep. out of the dash and all that. And I figured it. No, it, it and it's amazing when somebody spends a little bit of time. Um, I I went to a car wash near work and. It was a little bit more expensive than I would normally spend, but they they you know did the same thing. They blew off all the little nooks and crannies. They wiped everything down. It was like a little mini detailing. By the time I was done, it actually I, I was really impressed how well it came out. Yeah, and you know when you sit there after, you kind of feel different. You know, hey, yeah, good. yeah, good. yeah. It's the same thing when you when you uh, wax a car. Besides a little bit of exercise you're getting afterwards, when you're done, um, your car your car feels newer. It feels better. You're a little bit happier with it i think it sounds better you know i think i you know you know getting you know i i always i always when i walk through a parking lot kind of look in people's cars and when i see you know fast food wrappers up to the you know up to the rear floor in the rear seat i'm like how do people drive like this don't what do they you know how do they feel it you know it's just you know I, <laughs> yeah maybe there's a hoarder mentality anyway yeah okay I, okay thanks. all right thanks mike take care always enjoy the show. Thank all right thank you bye-bye now Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is how you get through. And we have uh, we have about ten minutes left. I can see Paul Sullivan sitting in his car from here. He's waving. He's waving at us. Look at him. We were talking about flooding earlier, and uh, actually down in Louisiana, the historic floods uh, that battered Louisiana last month damaged an estimated hundred thousand cars. So. So you want to be real careful about the hundred thousand cars. So, um, so if you see a car, if you see a car that looks like a good deal from Louisiana, yeah, you might you might want to check with Carfax. Uh, let's see. Even even for Honda uh, CEO, he says the NSX may just be a dream. I wonder what he means by that. Honda NSX sports car may be a dream wheels for every Honda employee, but actually owning one doesn't come easy. Even the Honda Motor Company CEO says he may have a problem. At the NSX debut uh, in August 25th, the boss said 
He has aspired to drive one ever since the first generation landed in 1990, but he also con- conceded there were several hurdles to actually climbing behind the wheel of his own personal NSX. First off, the $235,000. Apparently the CEOs don't, maybe they don't make as much money. Uh, is one obstacle for at least the average buyer and maybe even him, but he also cited the rudimentary roadblocks, parking and time. I live in a condominium complex, he says, uh, in a nod to constrained parking, commonly uh, afflicting people in the super crowded Japan's vertical landscape. That's a hurdle. I'd have to answer questions from my family about where to park it. And then there's the matter of making the most of their car. I wonder if I'd really have time left over to drive it, considering my schedule. I can't promise now I will buy one. I'd like to give it some more thought. Well, if he wants to buy one and give it to me, I'll take it. Let's take, uh, let's talk to Sal real quick. Sal? Yes, yes sir. Yes. Listen, I have a 2014 Ford Focus. Yep. Okay? And for two years, I've had a transmission shutter in it. Yep. Okay? And they can't seem to fix it. Yep. What are my options? A lemon, I guess. Well, it's that it's what they call the DSG transmission, and okay. they have had a lot of problems with them. I'm yes. surprised they haven't. They, I mean, it can it can get better, but yeah, when it's cold, it acts up. There's all kinds of uh, there's all kinds of different issues. The Ford has Ford has uh, issued. Um, Several technical service bulletins, including a uh, uh, transmission clutch shutter. You want to have them. Um, you want to have them look at a uh, technical service bulletin, and uh, it's uh, just to give you an idea. It's supplement number five, so it says certain 2011 and 2014 uh, Focus vehicles equipped with your transmission may have an issue, and they've come up with. It says if the affected vehicle has this condition beyond the new limited warranty, dealers will perform and repair it. So they're claiming there is an actual repair. So go back to your dealer again and ask them to look up the latest technical service bulletins, and I think uh, they, they might find a fix. Excuse me. They just did one, the technical service bulletin, the latest one that came yep. down. Yeah. They, they replaced a module or whatever it is. Yeah, this is actually this is actually a seal that transmission mod. Yeah, this is actually a shaft seal that is okay. bad. So, you want to have them look for that. Well, anyway, the answer, okay, I had it uh, uh, less than a year, yep. and they did finally put clutches in it, ran yep. perfect. So, that lasted a year, and then they fooled around again with it. I told them, put the clutches back in it. Yeah. So, the clutches went back in a year later in November, and it just I'm just starting to have trouble now. But clutches do stop all the shutter, but it doesn't last that yeah. long. Yeah, this was not a good transmission for Ford. But I would still go back and talk to him again and see about this, this, seal, this seal leak that it's a shaft seal warranty extension that they st- it, let me write it down yeah. shaft shaft seal and it's a it's a shaft seal uh, and it's uh, excessive transmission clutch shutter and says uh, replace this shaft seal and they'll even uh, they'll even cover rental car coverage for you so okay shaft seal yep Look okay okay I haven't all right anything about that okay. all right good luck Sal bye bye we need to take another quick break before we chit chat with Paul Sullivan a little bit we will be right back. 
dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. Roxbury Latin School, Belmont Hills School, Dexter Southfield, Boston Latin School. Behind me is a partial list of top quality schools in our area and all of these schools, all of them, are made even better by graduates of South Boston Catholic Academy. South Boston Catholic Academy is a special place where a faith-based education thrives, where vibrant learning and academic excellence are the norm. High student expectations, enviable teacher qualifications, strong 21st century technology, and Boston is our extended classroom. At South Boston Catholic Academy, our Catholic faith is a key component of our understanding of optimal child development. Our emphasis is on creating moral citizens, building community, embracing the idea of service to others, and developing Developing leadership skills. Father Robert Casey and Principal Nancy Carr work closely to ensure that all faiths feel welcome for the absolute best for your child. Learn much more at sbcatholicacademy.org. Living in and around Boston is expensive, but that shouldn't stop you from calling it home. City of Boston Credit Union is here to help with low-rate mortgages, home equity loans, first-time buyer programs, and more. And because they're member-owned, they treat each member like they want to be treated, like people, not credit scores. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. For today's rates, visit cityofbostoncu.com or call 617-635-4545. Equal housing lender, all loans subject to credit approval. NMLS number 403. I believe that God created music to connect our soul with heaven. Critics are calling Hillsong Let Hope Rise a life-changing experience. An incredible film. This is not about us. It's ultimately about God. You take him out of the equation. We've got nothing. This Friday. Does everything make sense? Absolutely not. But more stuff doesn't make sense without him. Prepare to have your heart lifted. Hillsong, Let Hope Rise. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested in theaters Friday. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. Back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Look, it's Paul Sullivan sitting in the studio right there, right where I could see him, as hey. opposed to last week where I had to visually make a picture. Hey, just to prove that I actually do listen to the show on the way in most most Saturdays, um, what's up with the indicator light that tells you that you're tailgating someone? Wouldn't you, like, know that, that you were tailgating nah. someone? You're... you're, you're you have an idea that people really pay attention to that sort of stuff. Oh, I mean, Haven't you ever seen any? Don't I you drive? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? Don't you drive on the highway? People, it looks like NASCAR out there. People oh, are drafting it six inches apart from each other. I see people putting makeup on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But but this is a little little, little indicator that comes up to say so some guy shaving. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I've I've seen the Dollar I've seen Shave people, Club guy. I've, I've seen people changing their clothes. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of things people shouldn't do behind. No, them. they should. And, and, and I was probably videotaping themselves doing. Uh, probably, yeah. It's probably on Periscope or yep. Live View or something. What I like to say when people ask me what about driving, I always say driving in its most basic form is speeding up, slowing down, and pointing the car. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. It's not fumbling with the radio, playing with your phone, doing. I see people they have their phone set up and they have it on. They have they have it on. Any one of the things that is video phoning, yep. you know, and they're they're having a. It's bad enough you're having a conversation with someone. Now you're staring at them. Well, so yeah. I'll tell you that one of the things that I do like on YouTube. I don't know why I'm fascinated by it, but they they got people that put like a, a video cam dash on camera. their dash yep. and then just um, take pictures of themselves driving on famous places. Oh, okay. I kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I like. I like the. I don't I like, know why. I like the knuckleheads that have a very fast car and they like drive through town at 150 miles an hour, and then the, then like a month later, the police show up at the door and they say, uh, "We're here to arrest you for speeding." And they're like, "How, how, how do you know?" And they're like, "You put it on YouTube." Exactly with your and, license plate. Yeah, and you and you know the difference between true love and YouTube. No. YouTube lasts forever. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't take stuff down, right? It's a, it's stuff stays up there forever. And if it doesn't, somebody already saved it, and then they put it back up again. Right. So, Well, that's never... what the recording artists find. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. they, they order people to yeah. take things yeah. down, and then they do, but then two days later, they're back. Because someone else has it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, wait did that? Oh, I'll just repost it. And right. Yeah. It never, stuff, never, stuff on the interweb never goes away. Never goes away. So uh, what's up for the Irish Hit Parade today? Music that never goes away. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The very best in Irish music. Give me like um, taglines and bumper um, themes and music that never goes away. Next on the IHP. Thank you. We'll have to work on that. Well, no, it's recording on you. Is it? Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's yeah, we can use that. Yeah, You're absolutely right. That, yeah. You want to try it one more time? Yes. So, take, so what's up two. for the Irish Hit Parade today? Music that never goes away on the IHP. Okay, I like the very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next. Until next week. Where's the piano guy? He's right there. He's right there. Until next week. Name anyway. Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Jim. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. And next week, uh, we're also going to be talking with the folks from uh, the car consultancy in next week or so too. So, uh, Ira and his team. So, see y'all. Bye bye.